This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. I'm Deborah Yao with Knowledge at Wharton, and here with me in our studio is Zeke Hernandez, who is a management professor at the Wharton School. He's here to talk about two of his research papers. Both of them deal with the topic of network synergies, and we'll explain that in a moment, within the context of mergers and acquisitions. His papers look at what makes a company choose to buy one target over another, and it also looks at why companies pursue an acquisition instead of just entering a partnership or an alliance. For those who want to read the research papers themselves, the titles are uh, for paper number one, Network Synergy, and for paper number two, Acquisitions, Node Collapse in Network Revolution. Zeke co-wrote the first paper with J. Miles Shaver and the second paper with Anouk Minon. Welcome to the studio, Zeke. Thank you. It's good to be here. Well, let's start by setting the stage for our listeners. Can you tell us more about your research? How did you pick this topic, and what did you set out to discover? Sure, and thanks for acknowledging my co-authors at the start. I think they deserve a lot of credit. Now, on to your question. Uh, The background is that for a long time, I'd been interested in two things that companies do all the time, but uh, nobody had really put them together. Um, And so let me explain what those two things are. The first is that we've known for quite a long time now that strategic alliances or collaborative partnerships with other companies are valuable. So, for example, firms collaborate all the time to do R&D or share knowledge or commercialize a product, et cetera. And, you know, each of those alliances on its own has a certain value. But most important for this project is that all combined, that portfolio of alliances of a company is valuable because it's, it's a network of external resources. And research has shown before that how a firm is positioned in that network is, is valuable. So, for example... If your firm is a central hub in an alliance network, it gets more resources and controls the flow of those resources. Or if your firm is exposed to a lot of different ideas through the network, it'll produce more innovative products. So that's the first part. The second part is, you know, another thing that firms do all the time, which is mergers and acquisitions. And we know from, you know, literature, whether it's, you know, academic literature or just talking to managers, that value in mergers and acquisitions happens through synergy. And synergy is just when the combination of the two firms or the assets of the two firms is more valuable put together than separate. But what I noticed is that managers and researchers had focused on synergies coming from assets that the two companies own and control. So think machinery or patents or teams and people, rights over markets. Uh, But I was surprised that they overlooked these alliance networks, right, that first part. And, uh, and I just started wondering, you know, wouldn't these be valuable when firms are choosing to do strategic alliances, uh, excuse me, when they're choosing to do mergers and acquisitions, even if they don't own and control those relationships? So in a nutshell, what my co-authors did was combine those two ideas and ask a question that had never been asked before, which is, could synergies come from combining the alliance networks of an acquirer and a target? And we called those synergies network synergies. So uh, tell me what is the importance of network synergies and how is it different from what you described as like corporate or internal synergies? Sure. That's uh, a really important question to understand the research. So a network synergy we define as the value or the benefit that an acquirer can get 
from combining its network of alliance partners with the network of alliance partners of a target firm. So just, just two simple examples. Let's say my company has five alliances and your company has its own five alliances uh, with other firms that I don't have alliances with. So I could acquire you, and if I inherit those five alliances that you had, I'm going to generate a new network that now has 10 alliances. Or let's say my company and your company each have five alliances, but our networks perfectly overlap. What that means is that your partners, your five partners are the same as my five partners. I can acquire you now and be the only firm in control of those five alliance relationships. And there are probably some benefits associated with gaining those five new alliances in the first example or eliminating redundancies in the uh, five alliances in the second case. So we call those benefits network synergies. So that's to answer your question of what network synergies are. Uh, how they're different from other kinds of synergies is also important. So uh, we distinguish in the paper between uh, network synergies and internal synergies, which come from combining assets that you and I own and control internally. So again, think those patents and machinery and teams and people I mentioned earlier. Uh, there's also uh, other synergies. I think what you're referring to as corporate synergies, which is more from giving me more power in the market. So uh, for those who do mergers and acquisitions, that would be something like vertical integration or horizontal integration, which kind of allows me to maybe eliminate a rival or consolidate with a supplier. Uh, but these network synergies don't come from that. They come from a very different kind of asset, which is these external collaborative alliances with other firms. So what did you set out to discover in your research? Yeah, so we wanted to know do firms uh, make acquisitions to get these network synergies? And really, it was a very simple question. So uh, what we did is we gathered uh, a sample of acquisitions made by firms in the biotechnology industry. And here's what we found. We found that uh, firms were much more likely to pick a target firm amongst a choice of other potential targets, uh, the more the combination of the two firms' alliance networks uh, put the, the acquirer in a better position. So if I'm going to choose between A, B, and C, I'm more likely to choose A over B and C, uh, the greater the network synergy that it generates. And now that sounds, I think, perhaps a little bit vague still, so let me give you two very specific types of network synergies we discovered. Uh, so the first one is what I would call an additive network synergies, and that's the 5 plus 5 example I gave you earlier. So the target brings to the acquirer a set of new partners it didn't have before, and the benefit of that is that I'm, not, I'm more central in the network, I get more resources than before. And the second type was what, uh, for purposes of, of our conversation, I'll call a subtractive network synergy. And that's the acquirer and target had overlapping redundant alliances, right? Like the example I mentioned earlier. And the merger allows uh, the acquirer to take control, exclusive control of those alliances. Um, and, you know, and, and that merger, of course, then uh, any one of those two could be a network synergy, the additive or the subtractive. So uh, it, what were the weightings of, um, it, it, you know, internal synergies versus network synergies when it comes to making a decision about which company to acquire? Which one weighed more in that decision making? That's a great question. So I was actually surprised at this finding. Uh, and, and the finding is, this, to answer your question, is that they actually weighed about the same, right? Now, 
you know, if you think about it, that's quite surprising because you're trying to acquire another company. You're thinking about a million different things, right? You're trying to value if your systems and people are compatible and your market positions. So are you know are you really thinking about these strategic alliances and these network synergies? Uh, and and so I would have expected or at least hoped that we found that yes, network synergies had an effect in terms of which target I choose. Uh, but it didn't have to be as strong as internal. But uh, they were they were similar in the same range. So to make it very concrete, uh, we found that, for example, if you're going to pick a target that has uh, quite a few patents, right? So one that has produced about 90 patents versus one patent. So that's, that's a big difference, right? And there's some benefits in combining my patents with another target's. Uh, that increased the likelihood I would acquire that target by about 3.5%. And... Uh, uh, to compare that, say these additive uh, network synergies increase the likelihood about two and a half percent, right? So a little bit less, but within the same order of magnitude, which was surprising to me. Great. So, what are, um, can you give us some uh, examples of that in the corporate world? Are there some companies out there that are, have actually exhibited these things that you found in your research? Yeah, yes. Uh, I'll give you two examples, maybe one of each kind of network synergy I mentioned. Uh, and these are both from uh, directly from the study um, that we're referring to. So for the additive network synergy, there was a deal between uh, two firms, one called Hisec and one called Variagenics. This deal happened a few years ago. Uh, so both of these companies are in the biotech industry. And before they merged, each had about 9 to 10 alliance partners, okay? They were doing joint R&D and drug commercialization through these alliances. But their alliance portfolios actually had zero overlap, meaning that um, uh, the partners of these two firms had no interactions, no alliances with each other. So HiSec buys Variagenic. It gets, in one transaction, so all at once, 10 new strategic alliance partners. So what this does effectively is it doubles HiSec's external sources of knowledge and access to resources. Now, you know, at first that seems uh, rather obvious when stated that way, but here's a counterfactual. So what would it have taken for HiSec to do the same thing, reach the same effect without an acquisition? So it would have had to go and get 10 separate firms, negotiate 10 separate alliance contracts, develop trust with each one of those 10 partners, et cetera, et cetera. You see that that may not be possible. There may not be 10 partners available. Those 10 partners might not all want to partner with HiSec. So it's, it's much more efficient to pay a reasonable amount to inherit the network of variogenics and get those partnerships all at once, right? So I think when you put it that way, it kind of highlights the power of seeking these network synergies. Um, now, the second example. So for a subtractive network synergy, uh, also a deal that happened some years ago was between two firms called Lynx and Selexa. So in contrast to the previous example, these two companies had uh, about 15 partnerships each, but they were very, very overlapping, meaning that if Lynx had a partnership with company A, so did Selexa, right? Um, and so what can that company do because it's connected to Lynx and Selexa? It can basically play them off each other, right? It can also perhaps share part of its knowledge with one, part with the other, right? But neither Lynx nor Selexa are getting the full benefit of what each, what each individual partner is offering. And so by merging and combining a single firm now called Selexa, or at the time called Selexa, all of a sudden you have one exclusive partner, like one hub, that controls all the alliances. So it has more control and more influence 
Um, and again, let's think of the counterfactual. What would it have taken for Selexa to do that, right? Like Selexa couldn't just go to Lynx and said, hey, you know, I want you to end your partnerships just because I want to be the exclusive hub. Uh, that's impossible, right? So you can only accomplish that by taking ownership of the other firm and consolidating all the alliances internally. Now, are there specific sectors or industries where network synergy is more critical for M&A deals? Or they're pretty much uh, the same across the board? You no, know, that, that's actually a really good and important question. So I think we need to keep in mind that we only tested this in one industry, in, in biotechnology. That choice was a, a bit intentional because we, we know from prior research that this is an industry where um, strategic alliances and these external relationships are valuable. And they're valuable there for two reasons. The first is that uh, this is an extremely technologically complex industry. So what it takes to develop molecules, to develop drugs, to take them through the FDA approval process, et cetera. You know, no, no firm has everything it takes to do it inside. And so that leads to the second point that partnerships are just very common. You have to collaborate. You can't go alone. And so these alliances end up being quite valuable uh, to being profitable in this industry. And so it makes sense that firms should, and they do, as we find, seek for network synergies. Now, the general point is that I would expect network synergies to matter in industries where I would say resources are widely distributed. What I mean by that is that no individual firm can systematically do everything needed to be profitable on its own. So what industries is this true of? Clearly high-tech industries, so biotech, electronics, software. Uh, I also think it's true in industries that are very global, right? So if you think of an industry where talent, resources, technology are spread across many countries, it's very hard to control all of that internally. So probably this is where these network effects would be important. Uh, there's going to be other industries, low-tech, very domestic industries, where, you know, if I tried to replicate our study, we, we might not find an effect, and that would make sense. So what are some practical implications of your research? Like, what can companies take away from it that they can apply or they can learn from? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, uh, so here's one very, very practical uh, consequence. Uh, so I've observed that in, in many, not all, but many companies, uh, the, say, corporate development groups are split into like an M&A team and an alliance team or a strategic partnerships team. And often these teams are in different buildings. They might even be in completely different cities. Uh, sometimes there are companies that might have an M&A team, but not an alliance team or vice versa. Uh, if alliances and acquisitions are mutually affecting each other, then a very practical implication is that you need the team to be together, right? You need the same group to be managing alliances and M&A as one sort of unified corporate strategy as opposed to two separate things. Um, and then I would say, uh, perhaps obvious but important, if you're an M&A manager or an M&A researcher, um, what this research is offering is that there's perhaps a new source of value that you hadn't thought about before, right? Maybe you'd thought about combining the teams and the internal stuff. Maybe you'd thought about how the merger changes your market position. But my guess is that probably uh, not everyone has thought about uh, value coming from combining strategic alliance networks. And I think the reason for that is, um, unlike 
the assets I just mentioned, you don't own and control those, right? You don't technically own a partnership. It's a contractual relationship that in part is controlled by someone else or partially controlled. However, it doesn't mean it's not valuable, right? It doesn't mean that a merger can't change uh, how you're positioned in that network. So I would say just, again, thinking of a new source of value. And conversely, if you're, you know, kind of the strategic alliance gal or guy, right, uh, you might think, oh, I want to create a portfolio of alliances that looks a certain way or that positions me in a certain way. But you might not think that a merger could really either expectedly or unexpectedly change how you're positioned in the alliance network. So I think it forces, again, both sides to take the other into account. You've alluded uh, to this earlier, uh, how your research is different from prior work that's mm-hmm. done in this area. Can you give us more details about how you're different? Um, yeah, I think this answer will be short because it's in some ways the same answer uh, I just gave you. And it's just that uh, in terms of research, there's a very clear division between like people doing um, mergers and acquisitions and people studying strategic alliances. And really, this is one of the very few studies so far that has combined both perspectives. And so I think it's different in terms of integrating the two, saying that uh, the two sides need to talk to each other. And exciting because there's probably a lot of uh, implications that we haven't explored yet. So how will you follow up this research? Boy, there's so many things. I I think we really just scratched the surface again because uh, both the people managing and the people studying alliances and acquisitions have been kind of different groups. Uh, So I'll just give you a few examples, not to be exhaustive, but, you know, really so far what we've done is shown that acquirers choose targets that create the most network synergies. Uh, So... You know, another way to think of that is we've shown that acquirers expect network synergies and that they're willing to pay for them, at least in some in some industries. But we still need to learn a lot about what happens afterward. So, you know, think of post-merger integration. What do firms need to do to actually realize the expected network synergies? And also, how long do those network synergies last? Uh, especially when we compare them to the other synergies that we've known a lot more. So I think there's a lot of research done on just comparing network synergies with the other types. And then a question that's been intriguing to me is how do the capital markets react? So I don't know if, say, the stock mar- the stock price of a firm is affected by announcing a, a deal that has a network synergy. You know, I don't see analysts talking about alliance networks too much. So that would be kind of an interesting question, maybe even in the finance realm. Um, and then perhaps as a last example, a, a very different but related issue so we've been talking about mergers as kind of the, the fusion of two networks, right? But think about divestitures. What's a divestiture if you think about it from a network's lens? It's the, it's the fission or the split of two networks. And that has a whole series of other implications that I can't anticipate. But I think it's very interesting to think of, you know, how are these strategic alliances reassigned after a divestiture and what are all kind of the domino effects of that? So, again, that's just to give a few examples of things that could be done, uh, things that I want to do. But certainly I think what's exciting is that there's there's so much to be done because it's kind of new territory. That all sounds great. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It was great to be here. You can find more insights from Knowledge of Wharton on our website at knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. 
You can also find all of our podcasts on iTunes, and we would appreciate your reviews. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.